Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. It's, we're back in West Hampton, scene of the pandemic episodes, and it's great to be back. Um, thank you all for being here. This might be a little bit of a quicker episode because um, Romeo is having a bad morning, and it's left me a little bit. Not upset, but concerned. I mean, Romeo is uh, 14 and a half years old. Um, in September, he'll be 15, um, which is a fine age for a 65-pound pit bull mix. Um, and he's been doing okay, but we brought him out here to the Hamptons, where he's lived most of his life with us. And he... Uh, is probably doing too much. You know, he's around people all the time, so he's getting up and down, plus they're with the stairs. Now, we do sling him down the stairs, but I think possibly uh, the extra, <clears throat> excuse me, activity has been a little too much for him. And he uh, got up this morning uh, a little bit sick and also just kind of like kept nearly collapsing on his bad leg. I mean, his legs are bad. You know, he's getting his left back leg particularly is very bad. Uh, it's particularly bad today. Um, and yeah, I, I, I actually thought he was dying this morning, but uh, he just went out on the deck. Um, he actually started pooping as I was getting him out of the house. Uh, sorry for the details, but no problem there. I was happy with that because I just... I, I don't want to walk him with the stairs, you know, and I just don't think he need. I think he's had plenty of activity. I think he's overdoing it. Um, needless to say, he got outside, he puked, he peed, and he seems to be okay now. Seems to be back to himself. So, Romeo is not unlike his uh, adopted I, I don't think it's fair to call me to call him his adopted father. I feel like he's a he's a group effort between Aiden, Hannah, and myself uh, over this uh, period of time. Originally, Hannah's grandfather actually, um, sadly, Romeo outlived his initial foster dad. Um, so anyway, he's not unlike me in that. Uh, yesterday, I was. Uh, you know, I've been waking up uh, on Irish time. I'm still on Irish time. That's the truth. Um, it's only 6.30 a.m. now, but I've actually been up for two and a half hours already. Uh, I um, started organizing the house because getting married next week. And, of course, I, I overdid it a little bit. I, you know, was, my hip was doing okay, but, uh, of course, I hurt my back. So... Uh, Romeo and I both have been overdoing it since we came out here. Now, I'm not too bad, but, uh, now this is becoming a running theme of the pod. A few weeks ago, I was telling you, now, my hip is doing fine, but, uh, I hurt my back. But, uh, it's all right, but, you know, it's just, uh, Romeo and I both have not accepted our, uh, accepted our age. So, anyway... Welcome to the pod. Sorry for the moan. Sorry for the perhaps more whispery tones as I sit in the third bedroom of uh, the house here in West Hampton. Anyway, uh, what I'll, I'll talk about two things, two major events. Uh, one possibly forward-looking, one backward-looking. Uh, this uh, 
like what would you call it a blockbuster leak of the Supreme Court over overturning Roe versus Wade and Sinn Féin becoming the largest party in the north or becoming you know uh, Michelle O'Neill becoming first minister two huge events um let's start with Roe versus Wade I mean can we in Ireland can we believe that this is a conversation that's now happening again like literally a few years on from triumphant scenes in Dublin and you know I know it's always a weird conversation because you know like Ireland has had you know gay marriage and legalizing abortion in the last decade and there was a you know there's like a a real celebration with with gay marriage and you know abortion is a celebration too but it's it's a little different because it's not like we're all dying to get abortion you know like every woman is dying to get an abortion they're just dying to have the right uh, to be able to, you know, decide what's going on in their body. Uh, you know, it's just a momentous change. It was always one of the more, in my mind, backward things about Ireland that you, you had to go to another country uh, to to do that. Uh, and now it, it's an option. It's an option on the table. You know, I, I, I... And it's always a weird one to be funny about, but, you know, in a way I feel like when it comes to abortion, it's good to be funny because a lot of uh, a lot of abortion is heavily a lot of uh, people's issues with abortion is heavily related to religion. A lot of it to do with how you're brought up, and I get it. My mother raised me to be pro-choice. You know, my mother, God rest her, uh, you know, admitted to me after my father died that she had had uh, an, an abortion before they got married. We, you know, we were always told that they had a miscarriage. That uh, you know, I would have been second. But it was a decision that they made before they got married, and, you know, their life was fine. But, you know, I don't think my mother was delighted. I think my mother carried the, you know, she talked to me about it a little bit, you know, in those later years. And, you know, she carried the imper- the, the, the residue of the imperfect solution, you know? It's an imperfect solution, but it's a solution that should be there. It's not like It's not like we're sitting there being like, oh, yeah, abortion... It's just totally nonchalant. I get it, you know, and it's different for different people. That's that's the even more uh, important thing to say is that, you know, that this is not a black and white issue, but it's also, it's not as heavy for some people. A lot of it has to do with your upbringing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like impossible to believe that we're still having this conversation. But, you know, just a personal story from my mother, you know, she didn't regret it, but, you know. It's not something that if I left her, it was a it was a presence in her life and awareness from time to time. But she was pro-choice, you know? She wanted women to have that option, you know? I I, I, I can tell you other stories of people in my family, you know, people in my extended family that decided not to, and they're very happy with that decision also. Like, everybody lives with the decision, and of course, every pro-lifer is going to give you examples of people that their lives are riddled with regret, but they're not going to show you the the the... the I think greater number of people that not riddled with regret. I, of course, I can show you horrible documentaries about the one-child policy in China and enforced abortion and how horrible that is. I mean, it, it, there is horror stories on all sides of the abortion debate. And there, I promise you, there are positive stories on all sides of the abortion debate. It's not a black and white issue. I never understood why uh, women should just not have the option to do whatever they want with you know, particularly the early stages of pregnancy. I'm not going to get into all the boring, you know, just the the tedious back and forth that we've been dealing with like my whole life. Like literally my, this debate has been going on. I'm born in 1975. Fucking nonstop back and forth. But the truth is the majority of pro-lifers are very religious. Okay. And I respect your religious beliefs, but I don't think your religious beliefs should be enforced on all people. And as a man, I'll never have to get an abortion. I might be involved in somebody's abortion or might have been involved in the past. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about anything personal here. I'm just saying that I I don't think I'm at, unless you're into the potential future fatal fetal abnormalities. I, I just don't think that abortion is going to be that relevant to my own personal life at this stage until perhaps I have 
a, a daughter uh, or a son that, you know, ends up in a situation where they have an unwanted pregnancy. Uh, I just don't know why people would not want a woman who has had a situation where they don't want to have a baby. Uh, they just shouldn't have the desire, the opportunity to wait for a, a better time in their life for this thing that's, you know, early stages of a thing in their own body. Just like, I just can't imagine the ferocious anger I would have if I was a woman and I had this thing in my fucking stomach and somebody said, it's not your business, it's my business. The, the, the fucking anger. I mean, I get pretty angry as it is, but I can't imagine the state religious organizations telling me what I do with my fucking stomach. It's sick to listen to these fucking radio hosts. And I get it. It's not black and white. It's immoral to you, but it's not universally immoral. This is not something that can be legislated against. You want to legislate for late-term pregnancies and all that. Okay, debate, debate, go ahead. But in the early stages, you do what you want with your body, ladies. That's my personal opinion. It's always been my opinion. It's never been a big deal for me. It's the way I was raised. I get it. I understand that people will have different opinions. You're raised differently. You know, these things, they get programmed into you. I get it. You know? This became a red line for you. I get it. But it's not universal. So just don't put your morality onto people who are comfortable with it. People are comfortable with it. Let it go. Let it go. And what's even more important is... Well, sorry, in my opinion, what I, I've never understood is why this became the front line of the culture war. I mean, I've talked about it before, why this became the issue. And, you know, honestly, it's, it's just been a, a campaign in the United States, just a campaign of decades of an ever-growing religious right, and this is victory to them. And it's... Fuck, it's frightening, actually, to watch these extremely religious people flooded now on the Supreme Court, pushing their religious agenda. It's so loaded with nonsense that has just not been good for the history of humanity. You know, in my lifetime, and I know this is like a typical progressive, faking, liberal. But in my lifetime, particularly in Ireland, it's been a very consistent push away from the religious influence on society. And it's been amazing. It's been so positive. Particularly for women. And listen, you know... I, I would say I'm a flawed feminist. You know, I'm I'm a feminist uh, that has, you know, clearly, uh, you know, been been dragged along through greater and greater awareness of perhaps more uh, outdated views that you don't even know you have until they're thrown in your face. So I get it. You know, I, I, I I'm 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 definitely a man. <laughs> I'm a 46-year-old man, all right? I got I still have some entrenched views of, of of manhood. But when it comes to women's rights, I'm 100% feminist. Uh I I'm all for the drive for equality. I've seen big changes in recent times. I'm all for it. Uh and in my lifetime, it's funny because there was an article today in the Irish Times, I believe, this morning. Uh, it's 30 years since the revelations about Bishop Eamon Casey came out. 
which hurts me because it just means I'm so fucking old. Uh, or, or maybe anyway, there was an article about the, the the fact that it's been 30 years, and really that was that was the beginning of the downfall of the Catholic Church's dominance in Irish society. And to think how much has changed since that time, because I arrived at the you know, the death knell of the Catholic Church dominance in Ireland. Like, I was there. I saw it right at the end. You know? I went to an institution that ended up at the epicenter of, you know, post-Amon Casey became the very dark fall of the Catholic Church. I was there in the the, the school and seminary that became the uh, main crux of the Ferns Report. So I really saw that firsthand, uh, Bishop Eamon Casey fell. The the uh, Bishop Comiskey in uh, Wexford, I believe that was his name. Uh, he would fall soon after. Uh, right there, I met him. Uh, just it, it really all began to fall right there as I arrived in Ireland. I, I I got to I had that unique sort of viewpoint of watching Ireland change nonstop since my arrival. So. It has felt like this just progressive journey forward for what I think is clearly the betterment of Irish society. I watched shame slowly diminish in Ireland around behavior, sex, homosexuality, um, uh, self-expression, sexual expression, just all positive changes. And truth be told, Almost not 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 a, not an arrogance, but like a pride that I had been raised in a more progressive childhood, an American child, still Catholic, but not as uh, not as shame ridden as uh, my peers in Ireland. And to think now that that sense of what I had in as uh, in America being more progressive, to think now how backward. America is uh, compared to my Irish life is it's hard to believe actually that uh, the United States has gone in the opposite direction to Ireland and now essentially the American equivalent of the Iona Institute is heavily running the Supreme Court I mean it's borderline like a fucking cult novel like a novel about secret sex and the desire for power you know i it, when i got a bit older people would always talk about like opus day's influence in ireland you know opus day and their power in ucd and you know the the presence of these conservative catholics and how much power they had in ireland a in rte in ucd you know the sort of secret cabal you know which really hasn't turned out to be the case it might have been, but it doesn't exist now, in my opinion. How could it be? That would be, be, be a big fail. But but in the States, it's the opposite. Literally, by, by the luck of, of timing and Trump, and perhaps Obama's inability to find a way to uh, get that Supreme Court pick on while he was still president, they flooded the court with these conservatives who are now pushing what can only be described as a religious agenda. And what has been their goal for decades, my whole lifetime, their goal to overturn Roe versus Wade. It's fucking sick. And, you know, the pandemic, the whole pandemic, I was thinking, you you watch these shows like The Walking Dead. I mean, I've said this before, but you watch these shows like The Walking Dead and you think it'll never be that way. And then you see the pandemic and you see how quickly society gets divided and uh, you know how quickly you realize that uh, civil civil society is fickle uh, and then you watch a show like The Handmaid's Tale and I know this is almost cliche but you watch a show like The Handmaid's Tale and you think that'll never happen and then you watch as America gets increasingly divided and more militant and I think people that probably would have never felt found themselves as aligned with the conservative religious movement now find themselves aligned, like these sort of violent libertarians. 
I, and by the way, I'm not saying all libertarians are violent, but I think you know what I'm saying. This sort of more, I guess, what one, one could call sort of a American uh, right-leaning libertarianism uh, now aligned with a, a kind of religious right that they traditionally wouldn't be aligned with at all. And now this conservative, despite, I would say, in terms of population, definitely a minority, now have this insane power on the Supreme Court. So an outsized power, and long-term, sorry, medium-term, they could also uh, have like a militant power. And you, you very quickly see the potential for a Handmaid's Tale, Gilead situation. Now, I I know that's like alarmist, but what I'm saying is it doesn't seem as outrageous as it did only a few years ago. Like, phase one, you know, is in place. You know, like the stars have now aligned for the potential for that type. I don't think it's going to happen, but not as outrageous as it once seemed. Which is... Which, which, shocking like shocking to me and of course you know you see all the memes it doesn't mean uh you won't have access to abortion you'll just won't have access to safe abortion uh it's just hard like even even now even though we've been talking about it whatever for 15 20 minutes i just can't believe we're still having this discussion so now in america is going to become like ireland so you're going to get pregnant in Louisiana and you're going to have to get a flight or a fucking bus to, I don't know, Minnesota? You know? I don't know. St. Louis? I don't even know where Missouri's going to go. You know, you're going to have to get a fucking bus to a state where you can get an abortion. It's fucking crazy. Like, right when the Ryanair jokes are finished, you know, the horror of all these Irish women, and I've known many, that have had to hop on a fucking flight to go to the UK... You know, uh, now that's going to be happening in the United States. It's it's fucking crazy. Um, so who knows? It's ugh, it's so disgusting. Like Amy Comey Barrett, like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Kavanaugh. You you look at them and you just go, how has your how can you be so smart but yet so influenced by religion? It's baffling. The rigidity. You know, that 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 sense of this rules-based morality that you have adopted this position so heavily weighted on one half of humanity. That women have to bear this extra burden. That you can't give them uh, just a little bit of a pass on this, you know, this incredible burden that women have to bear. That you won't give them the chance, due to modern medicine, you won't give them the chance to just be like, you know what, I'm just going to wait for a slightly better time. You know? All these advancements in humanity, all the, all the advancements that have caused us to rally against God's will. You know? That we have decided that God's will isn't cancer. That you're not supposed to die at 35 because we have made medical advancements that will keep you alive. You know? That that that's okay according to God's will. You know? That, you know, that, that we can, you know, immunotherapy, that... You know, that, that we can, we can, you know, boost your immune system. We can find ways to trick your body into fighting cancer. You know, that I can have my left testicle cut out to save me from testicular cancer. You know, that, that, that all these, we, we, we accept that we can rally against God's will when it comes to all these other things, but we can't rally against God's will to just, let a woman decide with the best time for her to have a kid and she's gotten pregnant accidentally with the behavior that we're all doing. You know, the, the, the funny thing is it's like, it's not like we're not all fucking and sometimes this can happen and we decide, oh, 
I just, I just, not now, that a woman can't make that decision in the early stages of pregnancy when every month she's shedding fucking unused eggs. It's just like, like tough cookies. Tough fucking cookies. I don't get it, man. I really don't. You know? And whatever, boring death penalty arguments that they're fine. It's, it's just, it's, 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 it's crazy, man. So anyway, that's where we are. Um, and, and, and it's just so upsetting too, because it's just going to divide society more. It's just like, it's like the last thing we need right now. It's like the antithesis of what we need. And it just plays into the hands of the people that profit from division you know, empowered by division, just further and further away from where we need to be. It's crazy. Just when you think like the pandemic's ending and, you know, maybe, you know, in Europe, there's a sort of a common ground against the war in Ukraine. Like suddenly like a, like a, a, a sense of, of European unity has returned. Now, America further into division. Fucking oh, God. I hope I haven't depressed you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, and obviously there's the, the bigger concern that these people have serious religious agendas, and there might be other pullbacks. And again, I know that some people will consider that alarmist, but, you know, basically, think back. If you're a majority of people here listening, you're Irish, right? So think back to all the big arguments. Divorce, gay marriage, abortion, right? Stem cell research, if you want to get into it. You will always have the Iona Institute on debating and you know david quinn is a good debater i mean he i you know this guy gets on and he he argues but like it seems fringe in ireland but it has become entrenched in one of the most powerful institutions in the united states that's what you have to understand that there are definitely three david quinn's but there's certainly five like Iona Institute adjacent points of view that are now in charge of American law. Whereas, you know, in Ireland, they take advantage of the broadcasting statute, which means that they have to be given equal airtime, which I think that they've abused uh, that legislation. But anyway, like, they're on there and you can sort of just, you know, scream at the radio when Pat Kenny and David Quinn are going at it. Whereas in, in the States, they're now making the laws. So if you can think back to those arguments, realize that I don't think it's going to stop here. And it's going to get very dirty. Unless the positive side to this might be that some of these right-wing libertarians some of these perhaps more uh, people that didn't find themselves as aligned with the Republican Party traditionally that have drifted that way uh, as the culture war has pushed them into a position where they feel more comfortable with the Republican Party, perhaps they might 
realize that the line stops with this religious morality that they actually don't find themselves in line with. And actually, the fear of too much pullback on issues that they don't agree with may actually be to the detriment of the Republican Party at a time where they couldn't be more in pole position for advancements. You know, Biden has come in and been dealt a bad hand, really. I mean, you know, you could argue Trump got a bad hand with the pandemic. He dealt with it terribly, though. But uh, Biden has had a rough time because he's getting blamed for inflation, even though the whole world is dealing with whatever. He, 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 Biden has been great. I, I'm not a great, I'm not a big Biden defender, but. You know, when you step back and look at it objectively, it's been a pretty bad. It's been unlucky for the guy. Gas prices going up all over the world, but he's getting the blame over here. Inflation going up all over the world. He's getting the blame over here. Uh, you know, he's had a lot of gaffes and different things that, you know, that's all that's all rational criticism of the guy. Uh, he's not that charismatic these days. Uh, so, you know, whatever. I'm just saying that the Republicans are in a strong position. And obviously, I think some of them are a little bit concerned that this Roe versus Wade situation might be not great for them. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the motivation for the leak. That would be my assumption. Obviously, there's all these different theories going around on how it leaked. Uh, I, I, I think the most likely one is that one of the left-leaning Supreme Court judges leaked it, knowing that there might be some benefits uh, for people who... Um, there might be just some benefits uh, to motivate people who don't want to see uh, America slip this far into religious dogma becoming the law of the land. Uh, anyway, you've probably had enough of that for me. Especially in Ireland where it just feels like a throwback, this fucking conversation. You know? Uh, speaking of big changes in Ireland... Sinn Féin and the Membrane, once again. Um, and I gotta say, I'm all for it. Uh, I I feel like, you know, unionism is just gonna have to fucking figure out what they are going forward because it can't continue the way that it is. Uh, I get it. It's complicated. I know it's complicated. I spent a lot of my life obsessing about the old North because my mother uh, gave me a childhood obsession with Northern Irish politics, which was naive and steeped in Irish-American idealism uh, and lack of information. Uh, I came to Ireland, and uh, I was shocked at the pushback I got for my Irish-American republicanism, which I talk about in Mia Mama. Uh, and I try to inform myself as much as one can uh, in a situation where it wasn't my life's work, but I've always cared. Uh, I always felt that a lot of people in the South uh, had too much disconnection from uh, the issues of the North, but also I understand it, you know, it wasn't their life. It was this thing that was happening up there. Uh, and uh, I've always thought that at some stage, uh, the former quote unquote villains of uh, the troubles would have to be brought in from the cold. And it's all, and, and, and not only that, but that they would have to be accepted 100% into mainstream politics. Uh, you know, in, in what I consider to be a continuation of uh, the violence of Irish history. Uh, and obviously, the violence of uh, Irish history in the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s was framed quite differently to the violence before. And I understand that. I, I, I'm not saying that that was also black and white. I, all I'm just saying is that it was a gray area. And... Uh, you know, I, I don't think the average Northern Republican, uh, you know, w was delighted with murder, but I just think that it was a lot more complicated up there than it seemed to be looking as the external observer. I include myself in that. So, I don't think 
that Sinn Féin's continuing presence, growth, and mainstream politics in both governments of the island of Ireland uh, should be perceived as a bunch of... I don't think it should perceive this craziness taking over. I, I think it's a positive thing that uh, they have come into the mainstream. And now I definitely think it's a positive thing, symbolically for the North, that Michelle O'Neill would be first minister. I mean, come on. I know a lot of people in our. I know a lot of people in Ireland, they can't shake the past in relation to the IRA and the atrocities and I, and, and I understand and I, 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 and the corruption and uh, you know, the baggage that they bring. I, 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 it's completely rational. I would never criticize anybody. I, 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 I'm one of the only people in my friend group in Ireland that have any sympathies with Sinn Féin. And I, oh, I know it's as a result of, of my upbringing. I know that. Um, and, Obviously, I'm influenced by, uh, like, the fact that some of these main players in northern politics have embraced me at times for my projects and probably felt a lack of judgment from me, and I get it, you know, uh, that I, I'm I'm influenced by that also. Uh, uh, the fact that. Anyway, that, that part doesn't matter. That's it, Anyway, all I'm saying is that look at the imagery of the leader of Sinn Féin, both parts of Ireland, Mary Lou MacDonald, Michelle O'Neill, two women, you know, now in increasing positions of importance in the politics of the island. It's just a good look. Um, and the, the ever-increasing journey away from violence. This is good. You know? I mean, I remember when I was learning Irish history that, you know, in 1932 when Fianna Fáil were uh, coming into the doll, that, that many people came in with guns. That was, like, that was like part of our curriculum. Violence was still present. The, the threat of violence still present in... Irish politics twenty two year or ten years after the 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 free state was created, you know that there was still this sense like it, it, that wasn't the end of the violent journey of Irish history, and I'm not saying that any of the violence was okay, but what I am saying is that we should be celebrating the the the, the, the that violence seems ever further away from uh, people affiliated with Sinn Féin and uh, that they're I'm not like a Sinn Féin supporter in terms of politics you know I'm not like like I'm not like a member of Sinn Féin but I'm just I guess I'm like a defender of Sinn Féin because they constantly get landed with what I think is just an outdated criticism of their associated with the association with the violence of the past, which just is so fucking complicated. It's just too easy to just be like they're associated with that, as if that didn't have its own origins. That makes sense, and that so many people made mistakes, including them. Like it, it it's not like they're this sole organization that did wrong things. I mean the whole the whole fucking history of the island, but particularly the history of the troubles, is tainted with bad actors. But that they're that that I'm just going to say their bad actions are understandable. But just that you know it, it it's just so fucking complicated. You can't just throw that accusation down without the asterisks of all this stuff. Is so complicated. And my simple dismissal doesn't fit the complication of the situation. So, what do we gain by what I think is this outdated sense of Sinn Fein being evil? What do we gain by that? Nothing, in my opinion. Because 
they really are a mainstream political party that potentially will be just as good or as bad as any of the other political parties. You know? And and in my opinion, what's positive about them is that they're proactively trying to create... Uh, they're a better... They want a better future for the North than these fucking unionists that are still so embedded in pointless identity in that they can keep so much of their identity you know without the I don't know the just this rigidity it's it's they're holding on to the past that's it's 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 so outdated I was up there. I lived in Belfast uh, for that one month in Joy in the Hood. And um, Billy Hutchinson, who I, you know, at the time was a part of the Progressive Unionist Party, which is kind of faded, signatory, signator of the Good Friday Agreement. Um, uh, frontline unionist. I think he was released from prison, uh, you know, only a few years before. Perhaps I'm wrong on that, but I think he's an admitted member of the UVF in the past. I don't want to, I don't want to, I mean, I, he's definitely an important member of the UVF. Uh, I sat with him and at that time, I don't know what he feels now, but at that time, I remember he said that he feared for the future of unionism because they were too entrenched in the past. They didn't want to accept a, a different future. Um, I don't know what he feels now. I think, I, 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 I believe I've seen stuff where he's perhaps uh, retreated a little bit from that position and that he feels that unionism is being overly sidelined. But I just think that uh, unionism is being overly sidelined because they refuse to bend which has been the problem for well over a hundred years, but they refuse to bend. And that unionism, that ancient fucking loyalist mentality has no chance for survival. And I understand how that might lead to violence. I understand that, that they, they, they might fight for that, for the survival of that identity, but it's, it's an, it's an unimportant identity. It's an identity that, doesn't have much of a place in the future but i do feel that loyalism uh, uh, you know uh, uh, british identity i i'm all for that being protected for these people I, I don't know how that fits into a united ireland which would be my eventual desire although i do feel that uh it shouldn't come quick at all it always frightens me when these talks of border poles start too quickly which I do think is appealing to the base. I would prefer that to be uh, less front and center. But I have always felt that uh, long-term, uh, a united Ireland would actually um, be better for everybody. That's always been my opinion. But I've only ever wanted uh, a united Ireland where eventually loyalists, which is, I know it's a contradiction, but eventually loyalists would feel that they belonged and that they uh, felt, sorry, something fell there. Loyalists felt that they actually had a place to make the island better, uh, but also that they would be able to preserve uh, the parts of their culture that, that, like what I would consider to be distinctly Northern Unionist Loyalist culture that they could celebrate that, that even that, that say the 12th of July could long-term become part of all of us, you know, in the sense that they belong and it's part of the history of, of the island, uh, a shared history with the UK, quote unquote, uh, and that we all embrace it as one of the, the positive things in our history, as opposed to the divisive celebration that it is today 
that would be like a dream of mine that like uh, the 12th of July could be just as fun as St. Patrick's Day when it's no longer a celebration of divisiveness, but, you know, uh, you know, because like, you know, let's face it, like the 12th of July is a celebration from the fucking 1600s. It's not important today. That war is not related to the troubles. They just held on to that and made it part of their identity. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter that the fucking Jacobites lost to the fucking William of Orange's men. It doesn't fucking matter. You know, it's ancient history. So we can we can rewrite history for the sake of fucking peace and unity and and and, and a sense of of unionists feeling part of 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 an Irish future. I'm all for it, man. I'm all for anything that makes everyone on the island feel like they belong, feel like they haven't been sidelined. But people forget how fucking sidelined nationalists were for so much of the history of the North. You know, it's so goddamn complicated. You know, and I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to fucking re-legislate the wrongs of history. It's fucking pointless. It goes nowhere. You know? That's the whole point of the Good Friday Agreement. Peace and reconciliation. Like, what? everyone's trying to fucking legislate for past wrongs. It's just pointless at this stage. Because it's just a one-way ticket to, what you know, whataboutism. It's anti-progress. So, and, and I do feel, personally... I'm I'm biased, but unionism is a lot keener to look backwards. Nationalism is keener to look forward. That is my opinion. Uh, The growth of the Alliance Party in this election, you know, that has to me the inkling of a positive thing. You know, I, I... that I move away from the from the clear division of nationalism slash republicanism and unionism slash loyalism. Any move away from that being the only force in politics of the North, I'm all for it. That's the truth. Like I said, I'm not like a Sinn Fein guy. I I'm all for uh, some move towards increasing normalization of politics up north that that issues become that that the issues of everyday life become more important than the issues of of identity fucking bring it on bring it on man you know let a fucking let a, a you know a, a, some sort of non-denominational centrist party grow i'm not I, you know that's one thing i'm not I, I don't really know what where the alliance party really lies but in terms of a, sort of an idyllic future, you know, bring on a party that forces the, you know, the the more um, uh, traditionally divided parties to to move into the center. Bring it on, you know, just, just anything that can move us away from the Catholic, Protestant, Nationalist, Unionist, Republic, Loyalist, fucking division. Bring it on. Please. Nobody's winning from that. But I know where it comes from. You know, it's just so easy from a distance to be like, I don't get it. Why this is divided? But, you know, when you think how passionate people can get over whatever fucking team their dad decided to make them a fan of, I mean throw in all that other shit that comes with what's gone on up in the north. It's very easy for people to just live and die by their fucking identity, which is just a choice. Anyway, whatever. I'm just, I'm waffling. Uh, Those are my thoughts. And, 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 uh, you know, two actually quite contentious issues that I've been casually chatting about. And let me know your thoughts, you know. 
Let me know your thoughts. But I, I think this is a positive day. If not for anything other than to fucking just remind unionists that they're just going to have to figure out who the fuck they are moving forward. Right? We haven't even got into how Brexit is such a huge part of this, but that's just like, it's just too, that, that part is just too complicated. But these fucking, you know, the DUP, they're just not good. I don't care what anybody says. They're not good. And they're fucking much more aligned with the shit I was complaining about in the first half of this podcast anyway, on top of it. So force those fuckers to change. I'm all for that. I have no problem. I can't stay in the DUP. You know? I met David Trimble. You know? And, you know, I shook his hand and I thought, you know what? Fair play to this guy. But fuck the DUP. So, anyway. um, I'm going to go. Probably not a podcast next week. A little busy. Um, So, forgive me for that. But you never know. You never know. Um, So, thanks for all the reviews. You guys have been great. Uh... Hip's doing a lot better. Thanks for your concern. Um, it was bursitis, by the way. I forgot to tell you. So actually, it wasn't like, it wasn't from me overdoing it per se. I mean, it was a little bit, but it was more from the show than anything. Just like a little overuse. But like the bursitis is just kind of like, a, like it's not a big deal. It wasn't like my bone. I didn't fucking do anything too bad. And it, it's healed up since. Uh, so um, keep leaving reviews. Spread the word. Um, I think I'll be back in Ireland at the end of June, actually, for a week. Uh, I think, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. So, anyway, all right, I'm going back to Romeo. Thanks, guys. Sloan. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.